Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, check out thrivechurch.co.nz. So good morning. My name is Jack. Personally, welcome you if you're new, if you're visiting, or even if you come every week. And if we're not already friends, I would really appreciate it if we were. So after the service, please, let's be friends, okay? Because it's really awkward that we're not. So welcome to Judy and Lachlan Nemo. I love you guys so much. Just saw you guys there. You're in front of me. So cool to have you here. Quickly, I um, know my Nana and Papa, who are all actually sitting behind um, the Nemos. They're um, over from England for a holiday. Thank you for coming. Thank you for everything that you have done um, for me. And for Christmas, I got Papa the stainless steel bracelet. And on it, I got his name engraved, which is Michael. And then on in, in the inside of it, I got the word Papa. The reason why I got this is not just because that's what he is, um, but over the years of me growing up and me being scared of him um, and him loving me, that's what he was to me. He was a father figure in my world before Les came along, and he's been a father figure ever since, which is my stepdad. He's turned 74 recently, and he's still a machine. I don't know if you wanted me to share that, Papa, but I'm sorry. He built a shed, right? And the shed is so good, he laid the concrete, did it all by himself, and it was meant for wood. But it was so good that my dad doesn't even want to use it for wood now, so he doesn't know what to do with it. Only that, he put new gates on, on our house, my parents' house, and he made my parents' garden actually look like a garden. And then for my nana, she's one of the sweetest people I know, probably cares about me probably a little bit too much sometimes, eh? Um, but she's so lovely. Um, growing up, I loved to annoy my nana. It was the funniest thing. It was so funny, but also in love. And um, I would always, always be really cool <laughs> until she would say, you wait until your papa gets home. And then which I would beg on my knees, asking for forgiveness, going to army mode, and as I sat at table, I'd lip sync to my nana, don't you dare tell papa when it comes in from work. And she's so caring and so loving that she only did it maybe once or twice. And <laughs> when she did it, I thought, my world was going to end. <laughs> Once there lived a boy called Emile. Emile Deschamps was in a restaurant as a boy when a stranger called Monsieur de Fortigibou sent over some pudding for him to have. Ten years later, Emile was in a restaurant in Paris and noticed plum pudding was on the menu. He asked the waiter to bring him a piece of this pudding. The waiter said he was very sorry, but the last of the plum pudding had been served to a gentleman behind him. When Emile turned around to see who it was, it was Fortigibou. Six years after that, the year now being 1832, Emile was at a dinner party and was offered plum pudding. At exactly the same time, he was telling the story of the plum pudding to his friends and family because of being offered it. And as he was finishing the story of the stranger he met as a boy and came to know as an adult, in walks the now old and senile Fortigibou holding the plum pudding he was offered and that he had made for this dinner party. I believe in the unimaginable. There are a lot of stories in the Bible that seem too good be, to be true, but you better believe it because all the promises that God made, all the stories written, and all the signs and wonders that took place did happen, still can happen, and still do happen. Those that believe in the impossible experience the unimaginable. God told Mary that she was going to have a child without doing the deed of any man, if you know what I'm saying. 
That was impossible, but she believed what God had said by the message of the angel who came to visit her and tell her what was going to happen and who it was going to be she was giving birth to. At first, she was unsure to believe it, but more like the fear of what Joseph would think of her and the people around her. Luckily, though, God sent the angel to speak to Joseph, or that could have got really awkward really fast. She listened and believed the impossible, and from that, experienced the unimaginable. As she fell pregnant, as she was told, and just as it is written in the Bible, she gave birth to the Son of God, Jesus. The book of Joshua in the Old Testament, which is one of my favorite books of the Old Testament and of the Bible, accounts also one of my favorite Bible stories, which is found in Joshua chapter 10, and it records the day the sun stood still. Peace had been made between Joshua and his people being the children of Israel and the people of Gibeon. One of the Amorite kings, the king of Jerusalem, became scared when he had heard this as he knew the stories of what Joshua and the people of Israel, because of God they served and believed in, had done and what he could he do. The stories of Joshua taking Ai and completely destroying it and killing their king, as what he had done to Jericho and also killing of their king. As well as hearing the stories of the people and warriors that now served and fought beside Joshua and the children of Israel. Now, the fact that Joshua was allies with the city of Gibeon was a bigger threat, not just because of the size of the city, but the Bible tells us by their skill and by their might. They were greater than the city of Ai, which in the opinion of the king of Jerusalem was one of the greatest cities of this time. The Amorite king of Jerusalem knew that one day and one day soon, they would be coming after him and him and all the Amorite kings and their people. So all five Amorite kings, by the plea of the Amorite king of Jerusalem, joined forces coming from the mountains when they lived and sent their enemies to Gibeon to fight Joshua and the children of Israel, the army of Gibeon, and all of Joshua's other allies he had made by the favor of God and the conquering of cities, Gibeon being north of Jerusalem. So the Gibeonites went to Joshua and they heard what was coming for them to destroy them. And in verse 6 of chapter 10, this is what is written. Do not forsake your servants. Come to us quickly. Save us, help us. The Bible says that Joshua went taking all of the people of war and all of the men of valor. Joshua and the children of Israel had not increased just in numbers by the Gibeonites joining them, but like I said, in skill and might. He was so aware at this point what he'd seen God do, so he believed that he had a God that makes the unimaginable imaginable, making the impossible possible. The Amorite king and the armies being far greater than what of Joshua had in regards to number of men and warfare. But as the Bible and as history has shown us time and time again, having the biggest army and the best weapons doesn't always mean you'll win the fight. It is who you entrust to fight alongside you, what you believe in, what you stand for, and what you let change, shape, and form you. That will. In World War II, Hitler the leader of Germany, and Winston Churchill, the leader of Great Britain. I don't know if it was God who gave Winston Churchill for the idea, for his main sign and his symbol to be the peace sign, with his hand for Hitler to think it would be cool to raise his hand high and flat. But in the kids' game, rock, paper, scissors, everybody knows that scissors beats paper. And that we did. So I don't know if that was God's humor and having fun as we serve and have an exciting creative God. But what I do know and what I do believe is because of God that we won that war. If you know, if you've ever looked into World War II and you're a Christian also listening to this, you most likely believe that because also in everything that happened, it looked impossible for us to win without any other way than God's help. This is seen in many cases if you want to look into it. But some of the choices made near the end of the war by Hitler and his high command and the allied forces, which he betrayed, God made the unimaginable imaginable. 
who you put your trust to fight alongside you, believe in what you stand for, what you let change, shape, and form you, will define you as if you believe in nothing or try and do a life without God, then you will fall for anything. Not only does Joshua and his army overwhelm the Amorites, but as they flee the battle, God rains down hailstones on them, which kill more of them than Joshua and his army did. In Joshua chapter 10, 8, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Which that is in self, as the Bible describes the Amorites, as extremely warlike and to be feared. They were mountaineers. They legit came from the mountains, okay? It's pretty crazy. The Bible tells us they had fair skin, light hair, piercing blue eyes, large noses, and pointed beards. The only good part about them. And of men of great height, which the Bible tells us. In Deuteronomy 3, 11, one of the Amorite kings, King Og, was the last of a main family of old giants. Moses writ in 3.11 that his bed is covered in iron. And the size of his bed is more than nine cubits long and four cubits wide. Meaning that King Og was more than four meters tall. For Joshua, the fight apparently seemed it would take so long, given the huge number of men in the enemy army. But Joshua, knowing if he believed what seemed impossible for him and his people, they would experience the unimaginable. He called out to God to stop the sun and moon so the day would last long enough for the Israelites to get it over and done with and win as God had promised and shown Joshua over and over again. Something to note about this story is that Joshua had arranged his army to attack with the sun at its back. That's incredible in itself. That's heaven's finest in regards to leadership. And taking control of the sun and the moon is really good time management. Imagine 12 hours of midday sun, no shadows, and then it doesn't go away. 12 more hours of midday sun, then the next day begins anyway, repeating until Joshua and his people could do what they were promised by the creator of the unimaginable, the God of miracles. Joshua couldn't do anything without God. This would be so useful for when you're on holiday with your family and friends to do more. Or when the boss or the school calls you up and says, what time have you been to work from the weekend? Which you reply, well, it hasn't actually been a night yet. I don't even know if it counts as a day's gone by. Living the dream. The story of Jesus on the water, which is written in three of the Gospels of the New Testament, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John, Luke leaving it out. Jesus walking on water is one of, these, one of his most famous miracles, but yet at first it doesn't seem to serve a great purpose. And other than Jesus just showing off what it is he can do and showing part what he was that he will come to do, which I have no problem with. Because I believe this world that we are living in is getting darker and darker day by day. And we are called to be the light of the world. And just as moths are drawn to flame, so are we. So burn for the whole world to see. The world is full of drama and gossip. So let give, let's give those who don't know God in any way, shape, or form a show that they will never forget and a show that they want to be part of. Make God famous. Because God is so amazing and he's called us to be. If you ever think that Jesus was or is boring, it's not Jesus, it's you. Because Jesus is not boring. He never was boring. His disciples weren't boring. And any story of the Bible is definitely not boring. So stop thinking and stop saying that he is. No one gets boring of age. It's what you choose to do with the life that you were given that gets boring. God called you to do more than keep a church seat warm or to live a life full of boredom, but a life of the unimaginable becoming a reality in your world. And if it's not a reality in your world, then make it happen because Jesus died on the cross for that. God created you for that. Make God famous. 
But as you read on the other stories, what Jesus did, you see the bigger picture than Jesus is showing off. I believe that Jesus walked on water, shows disciples that they can do anything. If they believe in themselves as disciples and sons of God, and for us to believe that as princes and princesses. For those that believe in the impossible, experience the unimaginable. Imagine seeing a man walking three miles across the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee, or even any sea at that fact. Not only that, but also at night. Then to arrive at his disciples' boat just before they reach the shore. What does it feel like to step on water and not fall in? If you're not ready to believe the impossible, then you're not ready for the unimaginable. What may seem impossible for you, for us, is impossible with God. God can do the impossible, the unthinkable, the unimaginable. The Bible, over and over again, makes it so clear. Where you cannot, God can. With your own abilities, you're unable, but with God, you are able to do anything. And that should not come as a surprise because I am talking about the same God of the stories I've already shared who created life from nothing, who put the stars in the sky and with a hand and a staff, the wave of Moses split the Red Sea so we could walk right through it. We have a God of miracles. He created life from nothing. The God who raised an army from the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37, as well as taking all of Freud away from the devil with the death and resurrection of Jesus. If he did it then, then he can do it now. Look at what he has done. And look what he can do with a life that trusts him completely. Those that believe in the impossible experience the unimaginable. You know, a few of you know that at the end of last year, I headed over to Venawadu, as Jared said, to preach at a youth camp. Without trusting God completely with this, this wouldn't have happened. I also would have been deported back to England. That story is lame, so I'm not going to share it. So I'm going to share the story of what happened to me in Auckland. In the hope to build faith and belief that I have in the impossible to experience the unimaginable, and that it will become a reality in your life, regardless if you've experienced this in the big, the small, or you've never experienced it at all. So I headed to Auckland on the 24th of November, being my 21st birthday, where I left my friends and family to get my visa to be able to go over to Vanuatu and not be deported back to the motherland. I got to Auckland sitting outside of Richmond Corps. I went up to him and introduced myself, because that's what I do. And he thought I was his driver, and I said, yes, of course I'm your driver. Until about five or ten minutes later, me telling him that not really, joked around with him. I've always wanted to meet Richard McCaw, and I'm not even the hugest fan of rugby. I like it, but I don't love it. And it was so nice of him, of all people, on my 21st birthday, to turn up for my party. So I get in the car who was organized to pick me up, and a friend which decided to come, which was so amazing, I was able to connect with him on the plane and bless me with the flight that I was now on, which... The price of flights was ridiculous. So I began speaking and told him why I'm in Auckland and what I'm going to be doing in Venawadu. He shared with me about his business and that he's a Christian, was a pastor of a church in Christchurch, and at this time had their business for two days. I got to pray for him, bless him with some work I can do, and on the Friday he picked us up in a 1947 hot rod, perfect condition, incredible car, and we got dropped off in that. I get dropped off in the middle of Auckland just for the information that there is an Asian man waiting for me and that his name is Ty. And he's a Christian. And he's a friend of the family who blessed me with the flights and who came, came, came away with me. As well as giving me a few of the contacts that was more than a blessing. And they are such a cool family to be around. And I'm here to share with, which they're there at the back, which is Naomi's family. I love you guys so much. Thank you for helping me, by the way. I met him. He takes me to an underground food court where he buys me lunch. He blesses me with money. And then he says, come with me. And he puts me up in a hotel for the whole time I'm in Auckland. If you're not ready to believe the impossible, then you're not ready for the unimaginable. Every day I was there, something crazy and unexplained happened, which could only be possible by God and with God. 
Knowing and finding out, have you heard over the weeks, that God is your Father, so then hear and know about Jesus' victory on the cross, standing in it, and then from that, knowing that you're a son of daughter, a prince or a princess, your God-given identity, to then flow from all of that in signs and wonders, and the unimaginable becoming imaginable, is incredible, and it's possible, and that's why we speak about it. As a life without God is a life not worth living. You know, recently I had to move out of um, my flat and find a new place to live as one of my flatmates is getting married um, and taking the house. So in looking and not really being able to find anywhere to live as well as not knowing at all where I want to be this year or what to do, all I knew is that I was straight up over Rangura. I was blessed with a room in the house of the incredible Lambourns which are also here, which if you don't know, you need to meet them as their hearts of people as huge as well as just being red people. They are so special to me and have been part of my life for a long time. If Aaron, as much as you don't admit it or don't want to admit it, you're a key part of my walk with God in the very beginning, as well as you, Beck. I also had the honor to see their kids grow and lead them in kids ministry when they were younger. So it's so cool once again that I get to be part of their world and as on school holidays, hang out with them till like 2 a.m. in the morning and not tell the parents. Hang out with Sam, Lucas, and Maya. They're so awesome and so talented. Finally, after too long, deciding to speak to God and worship Him in regards to everything, and I mean everything, the promise that I made to God, myself, and the ones that speak into my life. So on Tuesday, just at staff, the Tuesday just been, I spent two to three hours crying, praying, speaking, getting deliverance, dreaming, being angry and broken. <laughs> I wrote a letter. I'm soon going to read it to you what I wrote. I'm going to read it to you over a song called Miracles, which is from the latest Jesus Culture album, Let It Echo, which the worship artist Chris Koala wrote after him and his wife tragically lost their son in 2015 in stillbirth. Running to proclaim, even though they had lost their son, that God is still a God that makes the unimaginable become imaginable. Regardless of what has happened in their lives, in anyone's lives, does not change the fact of what God has for them and the belief and trust that we can have in it. It is when, when I finally read this letter to the song, I read it out loud, yelling, crying as God responded through the song, and I read it in my hurt and brokenness. He ministered to me on a level that till then I had never experienced. The time I spent with God was all written by hand and on paper, which for that in itself is a miracle for me, because I frankly think paper and pen sucks like 80% of the time. This is the letter I wrote. Dear God, I have seen you do the impossible. I have seen you make the unimaginable become imaginable, possible. It's clear you've called me to walk in this in the extreme, but why? Because I'm over it. I am angry. I am hurt. I don't want to be in anger. Why is it that I'm still here? What do you see, God, that I do not? I don't understand with every gift that you have given me that you'd be so unclear and you would keep me in this hole. I am living in a hallway where I thought those who hear from you say it's time, God will show you and you will know which to walk through. But as I step to every door that is open, I cannot walk through and I try and it's impossible too. And I don't blame you, but I'm angry with you. I am creative. You clearly know this, right? You created me. So why is that you know that every time I dream or create is all for nothing in the end? What a waste that it seems. You have given me such talent, but everywhere I want to put it seems useless to put it. Is it you or is it me? You know my heart, don't you? So please show me as it seems I don't know anymore. And maybe that is the point of it. But please, I beg you now, show me more. 
Am I called to make you famous? Or am I called to stop it all here? Is my ministry with just me and you, between me and you? The gift and skill set that you've given me is breaking me. But does the book you wrote not say you won't give us more than we can bear? So why do you? My thoughts rage war. Are you listening, Father? Do you hear me? Because you have done such signs and wonders with me, with stories of such wonder, but it seems it's all being plundered. You say that I am called to lead thousands, but I don't even want to lead a few. Will this ever be birthed, or am I constantly going to be in labor, constantly put pain, believing in you, as I won't stop, and I don't believe backsliding is true, as it's impossible to stop believing in what is true, and that, Father, is you. From your son... Jack, the letter I wrote affects me not because I'm still on the journey of healing and all of this, but that I was healed in the moment. I'm not even noticing what I was reading until I read it out crying and crying over again that that's what it was. What today, guys, are you trying to prove if you always say you're doing good? God did not send his son for you to hide. We hid in the beginning and look where it got us. Not position and put people around your life to lie to, but to share and open up to. If you're constantly lying to those who trust and believe in you, then what is the point of God that died for you? Because I believe the impossible, I was able to experience the unimaginable. What if I had left it? Not only would have I got more hurt and broken each day, but also the ones who I held closest to me and I to them would also get more hurt and broken day by day as I spent time with them. Don't be a joy sucker, be a joy maker. If you are here this morning or you are listening to this and you've done this regardless of how big or how small it was, it's time you apologize. I want to apologize to those that I hold closest. I am sorry. To Mitch, Larissa, Benny, Sam Becker, Jared and Rowe, Blair and Keery, Emma Hayden, Sam Redmond and Clifford, to Blake, Glenn and Debbie, and my brother who means the world to me, Bradley. And even though, church, you want to wear until now as I speak, I also ask for your forgiveness because I am sorry. You are called to change the world with your friends, not complain about it. So if you are constantly complaining about it, but you don't want to change it, then what is the point? Not only did I now know everything I felt I was meant to do, but again, I was able to step more into what I want and I feel God has called me to. So I wrote what I want to do and see before I leave this world as God has placed on my heart over the years and on that day. So here is what I was writing and what I'm believing and wanting in God for. I want a ministry called and spoken collective. I want a business called Lumber Made. I want a business called Ancient Seal. I want a, bus- a series of businesses around the world which are three stories high on the first floor of Barbers, on the second floor, a tattoo parlor, and on the top, a coffee house. At the door for the barber, I want cologne and a mint so you smell as amazing as you walk into my shop and ready to get a good cut. I want an elevator that goes only to the tattoo parlor to have chalk where the artists that work in the shop will constantly draw something new for you to see every day and encourage you. And for the elevator that only goes to the coffee house, as you walk in, it smells of freshly roasted coffee beans. There's amazing coffee memorabilia all around it, inside it, behind glass, and there is a man waiting for you to give you a cup of coffee as soon as you walk in. Outside the walls covered is a courtyard with awesome slides attached to the building. 
so you can just slide down when you've finished doing what you're doing. I want a house where each room has a different theme and something unique going on. The master bedroom room opening up to stargaze at night. I want the coolest wife and kids. I want to, with my future children, when they turn the age of five, enter a room with a mirror for dancing, art supplies, musical instruments, and then to go on a journey with them as they try out each one and decide what they want to do. I want every guest that walks into my house to walk out of my house with a gift which is behind a door. They choose one, and then they choose another to give to someone else. On the door is written, blessed to be a blessing, and regardless of how many times you come or the reason why you visit, you get a gift. I want to see suicide and depression become non-existent in this world before I leave. I want to be one of the greatest communicators this world has ever seen, bringing heaven's finest to earth, making God famous in the nations, and sharing my heart for the lost and the saved, pastoring and being able to speak on every level where everyone that hears takes something home that changes them from the inside out. And I want to write a book called Joyous. And I want a boxer dog called Cornelius. And I want a husky called Aslan. All this being said, watch this space as it's to be continued. All I see and all I want, most of it is impossible, as well as wanting to speak in North Korea. And if you get anything else, then I want you to remember this or write it down. Make God famous. Make him famous in everything, in the small things and the big things that you do. He pays attention to the detail, so just look at the world around you. Allow him to change, shape, and form you. Give the world a show they're looking for, because they're always looking for a show. A show that they want to run to, not run away from. Two, work in and with God is not meant to be complicated or hard. It is possible to live a life of the unimaginable without God. What is hard for me, for you, isn't for the Father in the good and the bad times. Speak it out, cry it out, yell it out until it's impossible for you to ever forget it, then live it. Three, if you're not ready to believe the impossible and listen carefully, then you're not ready for the unimaginable. Seriously, regardless of your age in church this morning or if you're listening to this on podcast, stop complaining and actually do something regardless if you've seen the unimaginable become imaginable. And if you haven't got the faith, God puts us in church, God gives us a family for a reason. Position yourself around people that have seen and done signs and wonders instead of complaining or getting jealous of what they have but you do not. Because the only person in this that is missing out and what God has called you to is you. And number four, the reality is the past, hurt, pain, depression, and anger are not qualified to build walls or even touch bricks. The devil has no authority, so stop allowing him to build in your life because he's not building you anything good. And I doubt they're even bricks. 2% stone and 98% Play-Doh for you to shape and create as he has given you the authority over this world, not the devil. Soon the band is going to sing the song, He is Faithful, as soon as I finish the spoken word entitled, We Believe. Then if you want prayer for anything in regards to what I've shared today or anything else, it would be my honor to be able to pray and prophesy over you, as well as the ministry team that we have here, which is so amazing. You're not doing life alone, but you're doing life with God of the unimaginable and a church staff and a leadership who believe in the impossible becoming possible. This is my spoken word that I wrote. Father, I have something of importance to ask you. Give me my inheritance. I clearly deserve it, and we are far from broke. The time has come, though your time is not done, for what I seek cannot be found here in the arms, but on my own, my life here with you is done. Father, I am sorry for leaving. I now understand more than you think. 
I know the life I was given was not meant to be lived by me alone. I am sorry. Oh, my Father, I am sorry for what I've seen and done. I made you dead even though you live, and now I'm back. So can I beg? I beg at your feet even though I'm not worthy enough because of what I have done. I deserve nothing more to eat as the pigs in the fields once I, what I once lived and loved. Tears of joy and pain stream down his face. Forgiveness opens the door to change. I'm your father as you my son and you again will eat by my side, not my feet to eat what falls at my feet because you do not make yourself worthy. I, the father, make you worthy. Look how he healed with a touch his cloak. A wink, wrinkled hand reached out to brush. Did you see the lack of faith hit the dust? Granted sight to the other blind, touch his spirit and mud or was the main ingredient love the one who gave his blood his life only the only life good enough to take us away from self-made darkness which in the beginning we were never meant to have anyway we're never meant to have it but instead live in the garden of life in the garden of beauty and faith my victory is more than enough as I died for you to do more than just taste and see. Again, I invite you to a life that you choose and beginning to leave. For I gave you life for you to stay and really not to leave. With this, love swept in like a storm and it ripped the hinges from the doors. Love poured in like a flood and I couldn't stop it anymore. Love and care so pure, where I once was an orphan, that I know more. As my identity is found in the son of the father that I adore. And all this we believe, it's time for the impossible to become possible. And the unimaginable become truth and live a life of the father, the creator of the cosmos. And bring him all the honor, praise and fame. As family, we stand. Divided, we fall. But united, we stand. And united, we believe. We believe. Thanks for listening. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz.